And while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for a baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Tonight we celebrate this simple yet profound story and amidst everything else that surrounds this holiday season, this amazing truth remains. God came for us and it is a really good story. Tonight's service is maybe going to be a little bit different than you're used to. Uh, Rather than sitting back, we invite you to participate with us through word and song, but also by letting yourselves be swept up into a story. No matter what brought you here tonight, what we all have in common is story. Every single one of us comes into this place tonight with the story of our lives and yours led you here. A mentor of mine once warned me not to get so busy in life that I just rush through my days and not think. Not think about the larger story that I'm a part of. Long before time began, God began writing a story. And Christmas is a part of that. Maybe tonight you're on a journey of faith. Maybe you're not quite sure why you've been brought here. Maybe for you it's family tradition, or you thought it was the right thing to do, or maybe you're here because you're promised that if you came, you would get to open presents later on. But it's no accident that you're here. There is a message for all of us. We are so glad that you're here. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, I am so glad to be here with you. And so tonight we invite you to experience the familiar Christmas story in an unfamiliar way. Because what happened that night in Bethlehem was the culmination of a long series of events over time. And so tonight we want to take you back, hundreds and hundreds of years back before the manger, lead you to the manger and beyond, looking past the manger to an empty cross and an empty tomb where the climax of Jesus' story takes place. And finally, as we are invited then together to celebrate Holy Communion. And so now, we invite you to gather around as we welcome you into our living room here tonight. Open up your hearts to God's story and to your story. Little 
boy who was God, made himself nothing. Well, he gave up his pride and he came here to die like a man. Therefore God exalted him to the place of highest praises. Well, he gave him a name above every name, that at the very name of Jesus, Son of God. We would sing out with joy for the brave little boy who was God, made himself nothing. Well, he gave up his pride and he came here to die like a man. So sing out with joy for the brave little boy who was God, made himself nothing. Well, he gave up his pride and he came here to die like a man. Well, he gave up his pride and he came here to die like a man. So sing out with joy for the brave little boy who was God and made himself nothing. Well, he gave up his pride and he came here to die like a man. Gather round, ye children, come. Listen to the old, old story of the power of death undone by an infant born of glory, Son of God, Son of reading tonight comes from the Old Testament book of Jeremiah chapter 23 verses 5 through 8 for the time is coming says the Lord when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line he will be a king who rules with wisdom He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. And that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. In that day, says the Lord, when people are taking an oath, they will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives who rescued the people of Israel from the land of Egypt... Instead, they will say, as surely as the Lord lives, 
who brought the people of Israel back to their own land from the land of the north and from all the countries to which he had exiled them. Then they will live in their own land. Here ends this reading. Although much has happened before this point in the story, we pick up our story tonight not at a manger in Bethlehem, but on the banks of the Nile River in ancient Egypt. For it is in Egypt today is like yesterday, and tomorrow will be just like today for God's people, the Israelites. Wake up, make bricks for Pharaoh, and go to bed. Wake up, make bricks, bed. An endless cycle. It's almost as if history has stalled, because tomorrow, it seems, is going to be just like today. And God, it seems, is nowhere to be found. Since the time of Abraham, God's people have been looking for a king. A king who has the hearts of his people. But it is not this king. Pharaoh is ruthless and disobedient to God. Under Pharaoh, life has become, well, numbing, normal, mundane. They assume that this is probably just the way that life is. And the same can be true for many of us, I suppose. For all of us, some years into our journey, after the years of what seems like just busyness and and getting by, we begin to believe also that maybe this is just the way life is. This is normal. The alarm goes off way too early. You get up. You rush out the door, you you put in your time at work, you pick up your kids, you pay the bills, you check your Facebook, you watch the Hawkeyes win again, things that are normal. But then you tackle the to-do list. And you try to find a little bit of time for your spouse. And then it's off to bed, only to do it all over again tomorrow. And you try to put on that smile that says everything is just fine. But yet we're always looking for the next thing, aren't we? We're always looking for the next thing to help us get by. The weekend, the raise, the new house, a better job, a better or new relationship. Anything to fill the void. But we just kind of get settled in. Just like the Israelites, maybe this is just the way things are. But we cannot last for long living this way because you and I, we were created for life. We were created for life to the full, as the scriptures say, an abundant life. So where do we find that when all seems lost? Life for the Israelites in Egypt is numbing and it's painful. It's a world that's plagued with fear of the future, with death, disease, and sin. God's people don't just need a king. God's people need a savior. And so they wait for a breakthrough. But this is where the story tonight takes a dramatic turn. God hears the cries of his people. God breaks through. Moses is called by God 
to lead the people to the freedom that he'll provide. But before they go, there's a meal. And it's called a Passover meal. And central to this meal is the command to never forget. Never forget how God will save you. Never forget that God is faithful. And thus begins a journey through the desert to the promised land, but it is not an easy journey nor a short journey. For sin remains and sin brings bondage. And as soon as freedom is offered, God's people choose their own way again and again. And again they're left in need of a rescuer. So the search for a king continues. And of course, kings come and go. Some end poorly like Saul. Others are really great leaders like David. But the search never ends. Who will come for us? Who will save us? We'll flash forward now all the way and we find ourselves in the year 4 BC. Another empire has come to rule, but it is not the Egyptians this time It is the Romans. And again, God's people are oppressed not only by Rome, but by Caesar Augustus. Under Caesar, life has become, well, numbing. It's almost as if history is stalled. Because tomorrow is going to be just like today. And God, it seems, is nowhere to be found. How long, O Lord, How long must we wait? You know, waiting isn't easy for any of us. It's not just something that we like to read about and pass off. It's the real deal. It's a real life thing. Whether it's big things that we're waiting for or small things that we're waiting for, it's especially hard to wait during Christmas season. Can you remember, maybe you can think of this in your head right now, can you remember that gift that you waited and waited and waited for to unwrap underneath the Christmas tree growing up? Maybe there was a few different ones because every year it's something new. For me, it was the year I got a big wheel. How did I know that I was getting a big wheel? Well, as Christmas drew closer, there appeared a package underneath the tree. And it's probably a good sign that you're getting a big wheel when that package is actually half the size of the Christmas tree itself. I'm not getting a necklace. I'm probably getting a big wheel. I wanted a big wheel. I needed a big wheel. I had to have it. It was my destiny. I... Once I had that big wheel, life would be changed forever. After all, the big wheel is the number one ride-on children's toy of all time. Every kid had to have one. Then, finally, the day came, and I don't think that I stopped riding that big wheel for the three years after I got it till I couldn't quite fit my legs in it anymore, and it just didn't fit. But you want to talk about a breakthrough, Now I could go anywhere. I could do anything in my block. That was real freedom. The wait was over, but the wait was definitely worth it. What have you been waiting for this year? And I'm not not just talking about gifts. Is there anything that, that weighs heavy on your heart tonight? What questions do you have that are left unanswered? 
Is there something in your life that just never seems to change? Well, whatever the need of your heart tonight, there's a breakthrough we all need. For the situation is far more serious because for us, it's a matter of life and death. We are desperate to find life in the midst of a world where so much has gone wrong. To have someone who is powerful enough to understand, but also intimate enough to understand. And so chapter one of this story asks the question again and again, even when all seems lost, is God still faithful? Will God come for us? And so the cry of God's people for hundreds of years was God come for us. O come, O come, Emmanuel.
This reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery. You will lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood-stained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Amen. And so we enter chapter 2 of our story. And chapter 2 begins not in the palace of any earthly king, but chapter 2 begins in the very courtyard of heaven, among galaxies none of us have ever seen. Amidst the angels, there is a stirring tonight like none before. For a meeting has been called by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords himself. And as the head angel Michael and the others kneeled before the throne of the Most High, they heard the news that brought them both unspeakable joy and yet unfathomable sorrow. God spoke and his voice thundered through the halls and the courtyard of heaven. Since the dawn of creation, God spoke. I have pursued my beloved with all of my love, yet they turn away. I have rescued them time and time again, pleaded with them, but I cannot force them to love me. And so I have devised an invasion the universe has never seen. The most unpredictable, unfathomable, seemingly impossible mission of all time. I will go myself. But not in strength or power. But I will go as the smallest and weakest one of all. As a baby. 
And I will not live in a palace to rule over them with an iron scepter and a sword. Instead, I will live among their poorest as a servant. I will walk their dirty roads and I will wash their dirty feet. I will laugh with them. I will cry with them. I will feel their deepest pain. In fact, because there is no other way, and to make it clear beyond a shadow of a doubt that I love them, I will take their very sins upon me, and I will die for them. I will give them my life. Only then will they know. Only then will they be able to be with me forever. A silence filled the room like none before. Pretty soon the archangel Michael spoke up. Almighty King, I know that there is no other way. But is it possible? God replied, Our fallen one, Lucifer, who now is called Satan, is cunning. And he roams the world tonight with spies. He expects an epic battle. But I will invade, not with armies. But I will invade under the cover of night. And I will sneak into a town that he would least expect. For a man... And his fiancée will carry the child. I will place them in the most despised place imaginable, among the animals in a manger, to show them that I will always meet them anywhere. To show them that no matter how lost or afraid or how sinful they are, I will show them that nothing is impossible with God. To one of the angels spoke up almighty king this doesn't sound safe to which god smiled and said safe of course it's not safe i've never been safe but i have always been faithful a star will shine bright tonight and i will break through And you thought the story was just about a baby in a manger scene. What is it tonight that seems impossible for you? What circumstance are you facing that you've just written off God for having a chance of coming through? You see, you and I, we we like to place limits on God. We like to put a box around who we think He is and what He's capable of doing. Heal my sickness? Never. Restore my marriage? Yeah, right. Forgive me for what I've done this past year? If you only knew. Oh, the, the church? All this Christian stuff? Uh, not really anymore. There's just no time. After all, that's just for the kids to be happy anyway. But you see, you and I, we never grow too old for a breakthrough. 
We don't graduate and suddenly we don't need this Christian thing anymore. The same God tonight who holds the universe in His hands, those are the same hands that made you. Who knows everything about you. And who will not stop pursuing you. The same God will not stop settle. He will not stop pursuing you. He will not settle for just being a tradition or a religion or an irrelevant set of rules in your life. Tonight, He is the Savior. And so the question is, who is He to you? Galaxies and galaxies away, we are then led to the little tiny town of Bethlehem. And it's there we find that a man and an expecting mother are, have been on a long journey. Long before the time of Caesar Augustus, prophets had, had told of a Messiah from which we've heard read here tonight. A Savior who would come to set God's people free. And what kind of a king would he be? Well, a great military general, of course. One who would come riding a horse with a sword in his hand, probably looking something like Arnold Schwarzenegger, ready to overthrow the Roman government, of course. But instead, we find him in the womb of a teenage mother, riding on a lowly donkey. And you see, it was in those days that Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the entire Roman world should be, there should be a census that was taken and that's where we pick up the story now. Everyone went to his or her own town to register. And so Joseph, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the town of Bethlehem the town of David, because he belonged to the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was carrying their child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and a baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning all they had seen and been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
that's the chapter of the story that we celebrate tonight. And it is a great story. Sometimes during this time of year, we try to add to it. We try to fancy it up. We try to give it a lot of hype. (laughs) But it doesn't need any of that. It needs to be told. It wasn't clean. It wasn't easy. But it was beautiful. And so tonight, just in case you missed it, just in case it's become kind of old and familiar to you, I thought I would bring in the experts at telling really, really good stories. And I thought that maybe I would give you their perspective. And so tonight, hear the story of Christmas from maybe a little different perspective than you've heard it before. Let's take a look. Caesar Augustus wanted to count how many people um, had to pay taxes. Joseph and Mary figured out that Mary was pregnant and they had to take a trip where, where, uh, where, where Joseph's parents with and they, they went to Bethlehem. Me and Joseph were running around town looking for a place to stay and there was no room for them. And then the innkeeper said, I have no room, but I have a stable for you. And we have to stay in the stable. Jesus is boring. I think the stable was stinky. <laughs> it was animals. Lots of animals. And every animal pooped. There were shepherds out in the field, and then the angel came. He said, don't be afraid, I, I bring you good news. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. There was a big star shining on top of a stable where Jesus was born. So they decided to follow it and then knew something um, where it was shining, there was something special. The wise men came because they saw the sheep come to a stable to see baby Jesus. The star lead them to the east to find the baby. They bring the gifts because um, it was Jesus' birthday and birthdays to get presents. Gold. What are the other tears? Merchants. Frankincense and myrrh. And kings usually didn't weren't born in stables. They were usually born in um, like castles and stuff. Christmas was Jesus' birthday. Happy birthday, baby Jesus! Yeah, kids know just how to say it, don't they? The Christmas story on the surface can seem very nice and calm, right? In fact, very cuddly and cute, as we've just seen. But as we've heard, by the time Mary and Joseph are on their way to Bethlehem, the story is not as safe and cuddly as we'd like it to be. The greatest mission of all time has been set into motion, and above the tiny stable, a cosmic Christmas 
has taken place. Heaven has come to earth. The author has entered into the story to change it forever. Emmanuel, God is with us. The wait is over. Breakthrough at last. Let's read together up on the screen the words that the angels spoke to the shepherds that night. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He is born to you. To you. That's the message that we want you to hear tonight. This isn't just one more Christmas. One more church service. One more year ahead to just make it through. A Savior has been born. And the angels say, come and see. Come, look into the manger tonight to the one who can set you free, who can give you that peace in your soul that you've been running around looking for and everything else. Let us go to the manger as one single light shines from heaven, shines in the darkness. Let's stand and sing together as we sing, I'll come, let us adore him. So we enter into chapter 3. Chapter 3 begins as we worship the baby in a manger who is Christ the Lord. But the cradle is soon empty again. Because tonight, our story 
does not end with a baby who was born. The danger of this story continued, and this is the part of the story that we like to shy away from sometimes. But it's the chapter of the story that now opens the book to us. The danger of this story continued because the Roman ruler, Herod, ordered the baby to be captured. Herod thought that he could ruin the story, but he forgot that he was dealing with the God of the universe with whom nothing is impossible. Watch and see what happens when the earthly ruler tries to ruin the story that night. And then the rain fell around the empty cave where our Savior laid. And still nothing stands in the way of God's plan even as the rain falls tonight. God's words to Joseph in a dream that night are the same words that he speaks to every single one of us. Arise, arise and go on a journey. Follow the, the baby from the manger on the road to becoming a man tonight. The cradle is empty because that baby grew up to carry out the mission that God had spoke in the courtyards of heaven long ago to follow that road to the cross to die so that you could live and yet not even death could hold him a giant stone rolled across a garden tomb could not defeat him the manger is not the only place left empty tonight the cross and the grave are empty because this baby the Jesus of Christmas is the same God that has defeated the power of sin and death and now offers you life. The offer tonight is life to the full. We don't have to wait for a king any longer because we have a king who came to live among us so that he could look you in the eyes tonight and say, I know exactly what you're going through. I know exactly who you are. And I'm inviting you to arise, to follow me, and to join this story. Coming to see him in the manger is nice, but will you follow him as he leaves this place tonight? What will you do with the story? Will you leave it on the shelf, or will you help write the next page? We have a giant pop-up book but you have the chance to help write the next page tonight we have an opportunity to join God in carrying out his mission as we celebrate Holy Communion if you can remember from chapter 1 God's people the Israelites had a meal called the Passover and central to that meal was the command to never forget. Never forget how God has saved you. Never forget that he is faithful. Never forget that he will break through. And so what does Jesus do on the night that he was betrayed with his closest friends? 
he has a Passover meal. And he says, never forget. Remember me. Never forget how God has saved you. And we do this on Christmas because the message is the same. Because for someone to receive, someone had to give. On Christmas, God gave the world life through Jesus' body and blood. And we're called to receive it tonight by grace. Not because we're good enough, not because we will ever do anything that will make us good enough to earn the love and the grace of a Savior. Tonight we receive it as a gift. Scripture tells us that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, that we make no room for God, that the story is all about us. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins.